You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A caller on the line. I believe it's Dean Burke. Dean, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. What's your question this week, bud? Uh, my question is, how, basically, how bad do the Bengals have to start um, for Marvin Lewis to lose a job mid-season or that's a great question, and I think there's a lot of caveats to it. We're gonna we're gonna take your question off the air, Dean. Thanks for, for thanks for tuning in live, buddy. All right, so did, guys, did you get that question? Did you hear it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know where to start, so I guess John, let's put you on the spot, buddy. So the question was, how bad do the Bengals have to start for Lewis to get fired? Fired or, or any, yeah, fired, hot seat, any of that stuff. Okay, so I have a. I'll, I'll answer that question without a question. Can you win negative games? Because that's the only <laughs> way I could see Marvin Lewis getting yeah. fired before these next two years are up. And I wish I could expand a little bit more, but that's all I got. Negative games. Yeah, I, one. You know, uh, and Scott, I'm gonna. Yeah, I know. I mean, Scott, I. Uh, well, they. Trust me, Lewis has come as close as you can. Um, you know, ties and losses and all kinds of stuff. So, um, but my my thing, uh, the Bengals had a very year was the golden opportunity if they wanted to move on from Marvin Lewis um, because they st- the first game of the season was awful. They start they look completely unprepared again in an opener under Marvin Lewis. And then, aside from the last two games, after that, Steel was unacceptable in itself, given the lead the team had and how they played in that first half of that game. The following two games against Chicago, that are absolutely um, And then, as Mike Brown noted, it, you know, those last two games kind of saved Marvin's job. And Dead cat bounce. So, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take, Scott. What do you think? Yeah, I think the negative game comment by John is probably accurate. I, he signed a two-year extension after this year. If And if this year isn't going to get him gone, I, you know, even a Browns or lines like 0-16, I don't think would do it unless you get something like an 0-16 plus. So 0-16 plus, maybe Marvin gets arrested for, I don't know, selling – Pot at the airport or something. Plus, you know something. I mean, it would take several, you know, really awful things combined. Well, record probably wouldn't even matter. I mean, zero and sixteen plus, you know, zero. Actually, zero fifteen and one because it's going to get a tie. It wouldn't be zero and sixteen. But yeah, it would take something like that to basically have them end it before. And I think even after the two year run, if they still if they missed the playoffs both years. Don't be surprised if he gets another extension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. 
Oh, I wish God. you weren't right. Yeah, really yeah, weird. I know. Seriously. Uh, well, thanks for the question there, Dean. We've got a couple of text messages we'll get to here in a second. Um, again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can get in touch with us in a number of different ways and download the program on basically a lot of different apps now and stuff. So uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, all our stuff's on Cincy Jungle. So check us out. Uh, we're going to get to these last two questions and then get out of here. Um, this is from Justin Tabor or Tabor. Um, and this might be a tiny bit more up Scott and I's alley given, uh, our age, but John, if you have some thoughts, I'd love to hear it as well. Scott, who deserves a hall of fame more Ken Anderson or Ken Riley, the battle of the Kens. Oh, that is a good question. I mean, I think both of them and Willie Anderson all deserve it. But if I have to pick one of the Kens, I think I, man, I don't know how you pick one. I mean, Riley is what, I mean, he's up in like the top five, I think in interceptions in NFL history and back in an era when they weren't throwing a ton. And then you have Anderson who, you know, led him to a Super Bowl. you know, was a, you know, one of the uh, first passers to really be a very prolific, you know, kind of like that West coast style. I know a guy accurate getting lots of, if I had to go with one, I'd guess I'd go with Anderson only because he is the quarterback. He did, he, the thing, the criteria that get you in the, in the Hall of Fame, kind of like the Troy Aikman thing. He was never a great quarterback, but he was a quarterback of great teams. Anderson was a quarterback on a Super Bowl team, and he did put up some great numbers You know, in a era when passing wasn't as prolific, and his, his numbers tend to get overshadowed now, and I think it's going to be harder for him because it's you, know, you look at – you know, receiving yards back then, you know, 900 yards was pretty awesome. Nowadays, you know, you need 14 or 1500 to be considered pretty awesome. So it's going to be harder for him. But I think he had as the quarterback position and some of the the changes that they implemented with Paul Brown and with Anderson, the innovation, the way the game kind of changed under them. I, I think I'd have to go with Anderson. Uh, Anderson. Okay. Justin, Justin uh, also who texted us is now, uh, stating his case in the live YouTube chat. Uh, he, and it is uh, Tabor, like labor, he says. Um, he said Ken Riley, and because Ken Riley has 60 interceptions in the, in the uh, four guys in front of him all are in the Hall of Fame. Good case to be had there. I do have a take, but John, you were kind of nodding a little bit about uh, some of the things Scott was saying there. Uh, your take between the two Kens. <sighs> It, it Scott's right. It's tough. Obviously, I wasn't alive to see either of them play. Um, but I will say this. Eli Manning is going to get into the Hall of Fame one day because he won two Super Bowl rings. And he's going to get into the Hall of Fame because it's not the Hall of Efficiency. It's the Hall of Fame. And everyone knows Eli Manning's name. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't kind of understand when they talk about the, the voting process. And that's why, you know, guys like some Steelers, like, um, what's his name? Lynn Swans in the Hall of Fame just because he won like four Super Bowls. Like people knew that Steelers team. I don't think a lot of people nowadays know who Ken Riley is. And that's kind of why you just never hear him his name up in the senior candidate conversations. But people at least know who Ken Anderson is at this point because he's always in that conversation and he's always talked about one of those first like he, he like set a precedent in the passing game when you know pe- teams weren't just passing the ball that that well and he had like a 70% completion percentage back in the seventies, which is just unheard of. So I think based off all those kinds of factors, Anderson's probably the more deserving, even though you could definitely make the argument that 
Riley's Riley's career when you talk about production and era specific is considerably more impressive, I guess. And if Anderson obviously wins a Super Bowl, he's in, and we don't have this conversation. But I think I think it's probably Anderson at this point. Yeah, and you know, interesting interesting point about Eli Manning. If you look at Eli Manning's record. If you look at him year by year and you look at the Giants year by year, essentially he's had a uh, of his, I think, 14 years in the league. He's had a small handful of great years, and then he's had a lot of blah to subpar years. And it's those Super Bowl runs, those those deeper playoff runs, those the small handful of times that they've done that, um, that's where he's kind of made his case. And obviously, when they had that, they had in those years, they had Michael Strahan, they had Tiki Barber, they had, uh, you know, the three headed monster, Brandon Jacobs, Tiki Barber, and uh, Derek Ward, I think was the other guy. Um, you know, he had a lot of surrounding talent. Now, of course, quarterbacks, when you win the Super Bowl, you have a lot of surrounding talent. That's just a different conversation altogether. But interesting point about Eli Manning there. I'm going to say this I'm, I'm, I am going to be fence rider and say I think both are probably, probably have the credentials to be in the Hall of Fame or should be in the Hall of Fame. But my, my, takeaway from this is that the this is the reason why the Bengals need their own Hall of Fame or their own ring of honor because these guys are getting overlooked these guys are getting you know even if they're fringe by some voter standards or what have you or hall of hall of very good this is the reason why the Bengals need to have some sort of honoring system official thing you know, a, a, a guy like yourself or myself, I never really saw Ken Riley play either. But if I was to go to a Bengals game and, and go to Paul Brown Stadium and there's a wing where they talk about Ken Riley, they have his uniform and they, they're honoring him and all that kind of stuff, I think that'd be a pretty cool thing. And even if he never makes it into Canton, even if Ken Anderson never makes it into Canton, it's just the right thing to do. And at least these guys are being honored in, in a way that they should be. Um, by their team, you know. So uh, that that's kind of my main takeaway from this discussion. We, we're running way long on time. I apologize to you guys. I apologize to the listeners, but we've got we had a lot on tap. Let's get to this final question. It's from Austin Tran. Uh, John, if the right tackle continues to struggle for the rest of the season, do you think we could possibly draft an offensive tackle in 2019? Well, I mean, obviously, but I think it's also I think that's a question more about first round offensive tackle, especially after 2015 and the, and what happened, what has happened with Cedric of Jake Fisher, or might they do something in free agency? But I, I would think if the, if the right tackle position continues to be a mess, I would think that they would draft someone high. They did it with Andre Smith in 2009, right? Yeah. And they've, those tackles that have come through, they've all been first and second round picks. So, and this team, Besides Billy Price, they've always usually stuck to their trends in terms of drafting. But that right tackle position is going to be very interesting because all three of those guys are free agents. And honestly, it wouldn't do the team any good to bring any of them back. But maybe one might be back. But if it struggles like we expect it to, yeah, it's probably the favorite right now. And now you have a new offensive line coach who is going to scout those offensive tackles just like Paul Alexander did. He's going to bring his own you know, criteria that he looks for. Hopefully we see some better results that are not either Jake Fisher or Cedric Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, Scott, even with the struggles at, um, at right tackle and if they continue through through 20, 2018 here, do you see that the Bengals might even have a bigger need than offensive tackle, namely a right tackle early in the draft? 
Yeah, I mean, it's I guess depend, depending on what happens in, I mean, yeah, free agency injuries or whatever, the contract extensions, you know, if Dunlap and Atkins aren't here, right tap. I mean, it was a huge need this year. And I think yeah. most Bengals fans were quite frustrated. You see every single pick, every single pick. And, okay, second round, okay, no, if it's Jesse Bates. Third round, no, if it's Sam Hubbard and he gets Blake. Jack. At some point, you know, it's Mark Walton, what? Okay, well, at some point, we're going to get – and they just never, you know, until that, what, very last – second to last pick with that Rod Taylor. Uh, I mean, they they just he never – Yeah, and it's where – you know, and you, you had a lot of guys who were falling to you. It's not like – Man, there's like four good ones, and they're all gone, and oh, it's nothing we can do. I mean, every round, this, this was considered a very deep tackle draft. You had a lot of guys, these, uh, you know, Connor Williams, you know, some people have different uh, opinions on Orlando Brown. But, you know, there were a lot of other guys like that who kept falling and falling, and they passed on them. They fell. More guys fell. They And at the end of the draft, they're, you know, they just took none. They're kind of like, well, we're, we're happy with what we have here. And we've seen from the first two games that if you're happy with what you have there – that's not very encouraging because you don't have very much there. And I, yeah, I'm not quite sure if it was just, Hey, we got a new offensive line coach. Let's see if he can, you know, make something out of nothing. And it looks like he needs something to make something out of it. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. I would be very amazed if they did not address that either in a trade, a free agent signing or the most probable would be a draft pick. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bagels Podcast. We're going to get out of here. Thank you for the listener questions to those of you who called, texted, and um, you know left your left your comments and whatnot in the live YouTube chat. Much appreciated. Uh, again, you can get this program on a number of different platforms. I hate to sound like a broken record, but Stitcher and Google Play are the latest additions, along with iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, CincyJungle.com. And uh, so so check it out. Get the show how you can. Hello. You are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.